Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling, tingling, tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Hey, welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? Yes! <laughs> well, this is our first episode ever, and we are starting out strong with the Spider-Man the Animated Series, Season 1, Episode 1, Night of the Lizard. So we talked a little bit in our introduction episode about our Spider-Man origin stories. Both of ours were basically with Spider-Man the Animated Series, so... Don't have to rehash what we just talked about, but do you have a general history with it? I, obviously, you started with it, got into it, but like, did you watch it all the way through, or did you go in and out? I will say that I watched it all the way through, but I, I don't, I'm not sure. Like, it'll be interesting to make our way through the series to know if there are any episodes that are just like totally outside of my memory. You know what sure. I mean? I'm pretty sure I watched it. It last, it, it was like five seasons or something, right? It doesn't yeah. seem like more than I would have watched. It's only 52, 50 some episodes episodes or whatever 65 yeah there you go yeah i so i'm pretty sure i watched all of it but uh time will tell (laughs) yeah well and it's it's hard to tell too because it like never went off the air for like 10 years maybe longer than Mm -hmm. that um because it ran into reruns forever and i mean i that's this is one of those shows that i rewatched like whenever it came on yeah like this this first episode i know i've seen like a dozen times this is one of those shows that i would tape on vhs and then when we got like dvd recorders like i would record the vhs onto dvd and like cut out the commercials so i could like watch it over (laughs) and over again that's Um, amazing because the show never got like good box set releases so that's the only way you could really just like watch them sequentially i never had like the whole series though so i know there's going to be some blind spots where I don't really have as much of a memory about it. I did do a rewatch of it when it was like illegally on YouTube and low quality about (laughs) but that was yeah that was still about like over a decade ago so it's it's been a long time since I watched it like as a fully formed adult so this will still be interesting um kind of seeing it through this lens and also kind of knowing where other Spider-Man cartoons have gone since then and knowing a little bit more about like how animation and TV works too Mm -hmm. um So, because I know that there's a lot of things about this show that doesn't quite hold up, but there's a lot of stuff that does too. Um, It's iconic for a reason, so. Oh yeah, and we will, (laughs) we'll certainly point out a few of those things that don't hold up because like you said, for the first time watching it as a full grown adult, like you just notice things you didn't notice before and they just, they (laughs) they smack you right in the face. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. I love it. (laughs) Um, And the interesting thing, we're only doing this one, this one episode and it's kind of appropriate because this pilot aired on fox kids it was actually aired like as a sneak preview about a little over i think over three months before the actual series started oh, um, wow. the, seri- the series didn't start until like february this aired on november 19th 1994 i don't know i i feel like i read somewhere that it was just because of like production delays or whatever i don't know mm. if that's really accurate or not i know that there was a lot of like behind the scenes strife with getting the show off the ground which we can kind of talk about a little bit from some research that we did but yeah i i i when i was uh looking just up some commercials for it it's funny because like the 
the apparently the the commercial that came on after this episode because it was going to be so long before the next one was like this really extended um <laughs> commercial for the second episode that was just like lo- just like full scenes of like the spider slayer or whatever like it wasn't even really a commercial so oh, wow yeah yeah just so, so like keep people <laughs> keep people hooked or like right. it, it, like promise like we have a show we really do <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly yeah yeah that's wild though that means that this uh this show or at least the pilot episode is turning 25 right this he- this year is that what it is oh Am I doing I, my maths right i think so yeah i think so yeah yeah you're right oh wow i didn't Dang. know that yeah so huh, 25th anniversary cool yeah <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And this show, this show is interesting because obviously it's, it's, it was very, it was a hit. It was really popular. Everyone who's our age, especially like knows it pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it pretty much ended up kind of being the baby of um, this guy named John Semper Jr. He was the story editor, which is basically the showrunner in this context. Um, he's written a, but he would have written a bunch of high profile stuff before he'd written on the smurfs fraggle rock ducktales he'd written a couple of scooby-doo shows um he currently writes the cyborg title in dc comics mm. um so he's still getting good work but um he's pretty frank in interviews now about the history of the show almost to a point where you're kind of like oh dude maybe you want to dial it back a little bit but <laughs> <laughs> like they <laughs> there were a lot of problems behind the scenes but i think a lot of it came from he was very very dedicated to writing really good stories essentially like he wasn't just doing this show for the money this show was really something that he was very passionate about um, yeah. you can really get that sense when he talks about it um, in retrospect but I think you also can tell from the show because I feel like most people would agree that like out of everything in the show the writing I think is the strongest part of it yeah Even there the- there are stories that I I remember really really vividly you know what I mean I think there was something mm-hmm. about the show's like the superhero shows in particular that are sort of remembered as a part of this chunk, right? Like this show specifically, but like the Batman animated series, the Superman animated series, X-Men, there's, there's really iconic episodes and stories that you remember from that. They were doing things well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And this show was, was kind of a big deal too, because one of the, one of the things that Semper brought to it, um, that even like Batman and Superman, like the DC shows that were really big at the time, one thing they weren't doing was telling serialized stories. And really, I don't feel like any kids shows at at this point were doing that other than like anime that was imported imported over yeah um, so <laughs> and right. being chopped up <laughs> Ex- exactly so this show was really really instrumental in kind of proving like essentially as a proof of concept that you can do serialized storytelling exactly like the comics had been doing um and that was something that that semper was very very passionate about doing too um because that's kind of the, one of the things that i think made spider-man the original comic in the 60s so popular was that it really did these kind of long-term personal stories and personal mm-hmm. narratives really really well when a lot of comics weren't really doing that in the first season we don't really see a whole lot of that um but i think that's because he was still sort of fighting with the network at that point. I um, mean, he said in interviews that like the reason that the serialized stories really ended up working was because the show was successful. So they weren't paying as much attention to him because um, they were like, all right, you, you got this. You, you can run it fine. And so when he got to the second, second season, that's when he starts being like, all right, now we're just going to go hardcore <laughs> in these long-term stories, not paying attention. By the time yeah. he figured it out, it was already too late. So it ended up like working out for him. But this first season will be interesting going through because they're really, it is very episodic and, and kind of very like typical kids show stuff. But yeah, I think we will definitely see flashes of kind of some of the genius that that the show has later on well and and part of the reason for that you know you as you found in like a lot of these interviews and and research is that this show like a lot of kids shows was developed to sell toys you know what i mean like that's that's how so many kids shows are sort of worked and and structured and and produced is to introduce something that you can turn into a toy and then sell it and so when you have one one side of things you know in in john semper trying to tell these stories 
stories and another side of things in a name that we haven't mentioned yet, but Avi Arad sort of like pushing, like, we got to be able to introduce characters to sell toys. It, I don't know, like, you kind of have this weird tension there. And, uh, I mean, one side seems to have sort of won out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. That's one of the things that Semper complains about even now. Like, we'll get to it when we get to those episodes, but there's like mm-hmm. some episodes that he's like, these are the worst ones I ever did because they were literally only done to sell the toys and I didn't want to do them and I don't like the characters. So <laughs> <laughs> I think like that influence that, that, or that impacted the first season more than it did anything else. Um, because it was kind of, there was only so much that you can do early on before it was kind of a certified hit. And also Semper was kind of at a, at, at a, dis, at a disadvantage when he first came on too, because, um, I've, I haven't found like who the original showrunner was supposed to be when Fox first started the show. It wasn't Semper. Um, I think it was somebody who worked on Batman, the animated series, but I don't know exactly hmm. who it was. Yeah. Um, but, it, but they, they were making a point to get someone who had already proven to have worked on a successful cart, like superhero yeah. cartoon to run it. But apparently like for whatever reason, I think there was contract issues and then like they just couldn't get like the production moving correctly. So there was like six months of work that they, that um this was an interview actually, I'm, I'll add this to, uh, to the show notes. It was an interview with like the art director, Bob Richardson, who was working on it from the beginning. And he said there was about six months worth of work in pre-production that was essentially just like unusable or scrapped because it just kept going back and forth making these like bad decisions that no one could agree on so that, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah and that showrunner got fired uh, yeah semper was hired on like in a hurry um actually like he was so picked out by stan lee specifically because he worked in other marvel productions like i, pro- I guess in the 80s i think is what marvel productions mm. was i want to say marvel productions might have been the studio that did like muppet babies or one oh, of, okay yeah hmm. it's, it's really because there's there's an episode that spider-man appears in in muppet <laughs> babies and i think stan lee appears in it too i can't wait to cover that one yeah yeah (laughs) um yeah let's actually put a put a pin in that we'll definitely get back to that at some point but anyway, they had worked together on that, and I guess Lee recognized that he was a good writer. He called him up personally, apparently, to offer him the job. But as a result, there was already some stuff that was kind of put in motion with Fox and with toy companies that Semper had to work with. Like, Peter being in college instead of high school from the start wasn't a creative decision. That was something that... Or wasn't Semper's creative decision, I should say. That was something they decided on early. I don't think it was a bad decision, because I think that yeah. makes that series a little unique. But that's not something that you specifically chose. Um, there's some characters that appear really early in the first season that are literally only there for toys and we'll get to that when we get to those episodes sure so it didn't start off like great um behind the scenes but i don't feel like you can really tell because i feel like we'll get into the episode specifically but i feel like it starts off pretty strong yeah um, i mean if you show somebody this very first episode i don't think they're gonna walk away from it being like that show was a mess right you know like there are some shows that you have your nostalgia goggles on and you go back and you rewatch them and you're like, that was, that was like real messy. This is, yeah. this show doesn't really have that in the first, first episode. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And just a couple other just like points of interest. Anybody, I guess who's ever read like the history of the movies probably has heard of like that legendary mythic James Cameron movie that was supposed <laughs> to be made. Have you read about it? Oh, I was just reading about it like right before we were recording. And I was like, <laughs> there's so much about this that I, I'm just so glad we didn't get and the thing about that movie is there's plenty of it that we still sort of got bits and pieces of that like obviously were fine enough to to push forward but there 
Whew, there are yeah. really some things about that <laughs> about that treatment of Spider-Man that I wanted nothing to do with. <laughs> we should do an episode just on that. Yeah. <laughs> or just any failed Spider-Man movie, actually. Yeah. Like one that ever went off the ground. Because there's lots of them, apparently. Mm-hmm. But that one was in pre-production. Obviously, that would kind of influence any shows that were coming out around the same time. In interviews, they uh, the, the creators always said that they never really had actual details about the movie. Like that treatment was on super lockdown, as you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing they really knew was that that Sandman and Electro were planned to potentially be the villains, so they couldn't use it in the series. Um, that's why we never get Sandman. Um, but we basically uh, Hydro Man is essentially like doing what Sandman would be doing. Yeah, it's yeah. such an interesting like that's so interesting too because if they wanted to, they could have done something sort of synergistic, which I don't think is a word, but you know what I mean? Like they could have tried to build off of each other, but I guess just keeping it off limits prevents any sort of confusion, but yeah, so well, I guess strange. It is. <laughs> I mean, and this is, this is, things have changed so much now, but I mean, for a long time, it really wasn't until the Marvel movies kind of proved to people and Marvel movies and really DC TV existing while the movies existed that I think studio executives kind of realized like, Oh, you mean people aren't going to be confused if they were like, two supermans like they're not like <laughs> right? they're gonna, yeah but like for a long time um I, I was i um probably something listeners should know i was always very super into smallville that was like my my thing for a long time and one of the things that really plagued that show was that they they couldn't reference like a big chunk of the dc universe mm-hmm. because there, there was like a famous thing called the bat embargo which is like any characters related to batman were just off limits on like any dc show even like justice league at a certain point had to stop having the joker appear and, and any of batman's villains it was always a big deal to have other characters interact solely because they're like well there are batman movies happening so like we don't want it to be confusing it's so funny to look back on that living in the in the decade that we've been living in you know what i mean like where there's just this constant saturation of comics and the and the and like all the properties based on those comics all Mm -hmm. simultaneously mainstream all at once you know like (laughs) it's so funny to think back that or look back and see that they didn't think that would work right (laughs) it's 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 hilarious it's hilarious and the thing is like i feel like people are always like any if they listen to any like fan of anything they would be like no you do it you do it i want to see him on tv i want to see him in movies i want to see him in comics and video games give me all of it i will buy all of it you'll make so much money and guess what we were all right so well and with comics specifically (laughs) it's surprising that even in the like this wasn't like this is almost 25 years ago but the 90s is still decades into you know marvel's properties and a half century or so into dc's properties or like the big you know the huge 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 name ones and so it's wild to me that having had multiple titles and different sort of like softer hard reboots of things Mm -hmm. different eras and waves that they would have thought that people couldn't handle <laughs> multiple representations right. of the same character it's almost right. like essential to comics it is at this right. point i guess it's just because the people doing film and tv are are ultimately different from people that, yeah. are, that are in charge of comics and i just they just don't really get it because i mean tv and film are a little bit more are a little more straightforward and comics can be a little more malleable i guess sure in, in a way so yeah it is it's so weird though it's so it's so crazy how like times have changed with with geek culture specifically mm-hmm. um how different things are now but yeah but that kind of uh but that that de- the movie existing definitely affected what they could and couldn't do the the rumor i'd always read too is that that's why they didn't do an origin story but the interview that i read when i was doing my research with john semper said that he kind of wanted to avoid starting this show with an origin story anyway um because he kind of wanted to be really un- 
unpredictable or whatever, which I think is fair. <laughs> yeah, I think well, it's, it's funny because that's one of the things that I think stands out most about this pilot. If you showed this series pilot to somebody who I don't know how you would find this person, but who didn't know anything about Spider-Man, mm-hmm. there is zero explanation in this episode as to how Spider-Man can do any of the things he does, nor right. does it ever really explain the things he can do. He just right. starts doing things and you're like, yeah, okay, I guess so. And I, I love it because we are so familiar with the Spider-Man origin story that we don't waste time with it. But I, it was still very surprising to see just absolutely no reference to, to Spider-Man's origin. The closest yeah. that we get is him saying something about like, eventually I'll figure out how to balance this superhero thing. But that's the closest they ever get to anything even remotely not totally professional about being Spider-Man, you know? Right. It's it's really, it is very interesting, especially because I don't feel like people were burned out on Spider-Man's origin story then like no. people are now. Even if they had the movie, that still would have been one movie that, that existed, you know? And because they didn't have the movie that came out at the time, like, we just were just kind of thrown into the deep end, which is really, which is really cool, but just very, very strange. It is strange, and and it's 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 especially strange because there wasn't other Spider-Man stuff happening outside of the comics, and the last series was in the '80s, you know. Yeah. So it it had been you know a whole whole decade and a half without a Spider-Man origin story. I don't even know if those '80 ones tell an origin story. To be honest, I haven't seen them, but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that that could that might be a thing. Maybe none of them have origin stories yeah. until like halfway through or whatever which is still interesting because spider-man has like one of the best origin stories ever so it's crazy i know it's It's so good (laughs) it's interesting that you talk about like the movie affecting the the content that could be in the show because you also found stuff about sort of like fox's policies on what shows could and couldn't contain which Mm -hmm. probably doesn't affect it as much but it's still like fun trivia things to know right? right so like they weren't allowed to say kill which, you know, is sort of a, a very tropey thing among sort of any show aimed at kids. I mean, we've mentioned before that we we watch Power Rangers and they don't really say kill on that show either. It's like the never say die, never say kill, whatever type mm-hmm. rule. There were also like next to no guns on this show. Um, oh, there, did... there, there were guns that were, there weren't like actual guns. There were all like, laser guns. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So cops would just have like laser guns. <laughs> sure, why not? You know? Why not? <laughs> um, but yeah, like no one's getting shot with a bullet and then like right. dying on screen. Like not that cartoon. <laughs> right. This is one that I, I will be excited to sort of watch for as we mm-hmm. watch the series. The No Children in Danger yeah. Um, I because I like never thought about that before. Yeah. I feel like they had to have broke that rule at some point because there are episodes that I can think of that have kids like at the center of it, but maybe there's ways, or, yeah. maybe they never have the kid like actively like near exploding things or something like that. I'm well, curious about that too. It's also interesting to me because when you think of the movies that we've gotten now, there are like really, really moving scenes where mm-hmm. Spider-Man like has a moment with a kid that's in danger. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm like crying now because like you can be Spider-Man too, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and that all happens because he's interacting with a kid. So it's interesting uh, that that was sort of like a, at at the very least a soft rule. Yeah. Also no crashing through glass. What? I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah. I also feel like that's when they have to have broken because like, that's such a, that's such like an easy way to have like a really dramatic like action scene. So I also want to keep my eye out for that because I feel like they had to 
have broken that rule too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are some where it's just, I'm, I'm so excited to track when the rule is finally broken. Cause like you said, how do you have, how do you have an entire 60 some episode action series without ever crashing through glass? Right. Batman does it right. Yeah. Doesn't he smash through glass all the time? Yeah. <laughs> And I guess they might have blow, maybe they like blow up glass, but they just can't have a person, person physically going through it, I guess. Oh, that's so interesting. I can't wait. Yeah. The other, and one other one I didn't put on here that that's sort of been kind of debunked a little bit, but not really is, is for a long time, people were saying that Spider-Man wasn't allowed to throw a punch. And I think Semper had cleared it up and said that it's not so much said he couldn't throw a punch. It was more that like they didn't want very much like they didn't want to actually see fists hitting faces. Yeah. And that combined with they wanted to have Spider-Man fight more creatively anyway. So they kind of avoided having him throw punches just to make the fights a little more interesting. So he'd do more stuff with his webbing and do yeah. more like, flying kicks and stuff, which I think yeah. makes sense. And some yeah. of that stuff really does show as well. Like some of the things that I was impressed with, even just watching one episode was like, huh, I actually wasn't expecting some of this to be as smooth with him, like flipping around and swinging around. And some of the animation is better than I expected. So I'm glad that that, even if it wasn't a hard and fast rule, I'm glad that that mentality was there to sort of push them to uh, go beyond just like, I'm going to punch you in the gut. You right, know? right. <laughs> the other famous one that this I'm just going to quote what Semper said is one of the notes is when Spider-Man lands on the rooftop, be sure that he doesn't harm any pigeons. What property is this happening in? That this was a rule. <laughs> right. Like what? I, I want to know how many like on-screen pigeon injuries there are that someone was very concerned about this. Like, right. <laughs> I mean, maybe it, I guess it could just be like like uh, an S&P person who just really loves birds a lot. And it's like, yes, oh, he, he walks on buildings. Pigeons live there. You can't have them stuck on the pigeon. <laughs> I don't know about you, but like anytime I've walked near pigeons, like they move. You know, like I don't, I've never been worried that I'm going to land on a pigeon. Right. Exactly. I don't know. In all of my days of web swinging, you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Same same with me and my, my janky black Spider-Man costume. Uh, you mentioned the animation before. That's another thing that's interesting about the show. And it's interesting only having watched this one episode now. Um, the animation in this pilot is really, really good and really fluid for the most part. But I don't, <laughs> I don't think the show is ever this good ever again, to my memory, to be honest. Uh, I okay. don't think. But I, this is this is solely from my memory. So I will happily like take that back. when Because I, I know that there are also episodes where they stepped up the animation. I distinctly remember that. Sure. But I don't, I feel like it kind of is all downhill from here. And that's something that was always kind of controversial about the show because it's very well known for having like these weird, like slowed down frame rates of like used <laughs> shots and stuff. Sure. I guess we can get to that a little deeper because there's not really any of that in this episode. It's all obviously new footage, but it is interesting because I don't feel like either of us are like big in-depth animation, like tech nerds, but from my understanding from like the animation podcasts I've li- listened to, so my limited animation knowledge is that T- <laughs> TMS Entertainment is kind of like a thing that pings on people because that was the um, the studio in Japan that uh, American studios would outsource to, but it'd always be like major episodes of really major shows of things they mm. do because their work was always very, it was they always did really quality work. Yeah. Obviously for like not very much money in America because it's being outsourced, but sure. um, they would always do very quality work. So they, they worked on shows like Batman, the animated series. They did the Batman Beyond Return of the Joker movie, stuff like Animaniacs and Tiny Toons and DuckTales, all of these like 
incredibly well-known high-profile shows. Any like great episode of, of those shows are usually done by TMS, but they usually wouldn't do an entire series because they didn't want to stretch themselves too thin. Spider-Man is the first time that they committed to an entire series. So they did do every single episode of the show, but I think as a result, um, that combined with apparently like there is a lot of issues with the animation industry at the time. So labor started costing a lot more money. They're under a lot more time constraints. That's why even though you have this really like, um, it, it's uh, a really high profile animation industry, not really doing that great of animation. But <laughs> in this first episode, you can, you can see a lot of, um, a lot of sort of that kind of anime influence on the show that yeah. you would often see in like other really solid episodes of 80s and 90s shows at the time. So that'll be interesting to track how the uh, animation goes up and down throughout the show. Yeah, um, for sure. Because there are definitely <laughs> like moments in, in the animation, but even just other other elements of the show where you're like, somebody spent a lot of time on those three seconds. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like that right there, that little moment was really spectacular. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, should we get into the episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's get into it. So this, again, is season one, episode one of Spider-Man, the animated series, Night of the Lizard. Per IMDb, the synopsis is a giant lizard has been spotted in the subways and Jameson is willing to pay $1,000 to the photographer who gets the creature on film. Peter turns to his college professor, Dr. Kurt Connors, for answers, but not the answers he expects. And by the way, if if you want to watch this show with us, it's not really uh, accessible anywhere anymore, pretty much. Um, it used to be streaming on Netflix and then on Hulu, and now it's not really streaming anywhere. We had to buy it on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Um, I think that's the only place that this show is available. Um, maybe, hopefully, when Disney Plus launches or something like that, or one of Marvel, whenever Marvel has a streaming service or something. We'll see it on one of those millions of platforms Ooh. that we're probably not going to pay money for, but... Yeah. Uh, until then, <laughs> this is the only way to watch it. So. <laughs> yep. 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 This episode was written by John Semper, like we mentioned. Um, Jerry Conway, who uh, was a longtime writer for the Amazing Spider-Man comics, um, as well as Stan Berkowitz, who was a main writer in the DC animated universe. Mm-hmm, yeah, Berkowitz was a really big guy in that he wrote pretty much for pretty much every show. You know, Justice League, Batman Beyond, Superman, Batman, and Jerry Conway. He's a, he is a he's a big one in Amazing Spider-Man. He wrote the um, the night when Stacy died. So. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, he's 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 a heavy hitter to have on this first episode. Um, and I have the director credit on here, but when I was looking it up, every single episode is technically credited to directed by Bob Richardson. Oh. So we don't have to say that every episode. I don't know why they do it. Like what? This is my like animation blind spot because I know some cartoons will have different directors per episode. This one they just kept the same supervising producer as the director for all of them. I don't know why that's the case, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. He's also the guy that, that sort of did the designs and all the locations too. So that very line heavy, bulky build that every single <laughs> character has, you can attribute it to him. Great. Great. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Obviously being the pilot episode, like the major characters and voices introduced in this episode are Peter Parker, <laughs> AKA <laughs> Spider-Man. Um, but what's interesting about this is if you didn't already know, um, Peter in this series is played by Christopher Daniel Barnes, who's known for voicing Prince Eric in the little mermaid and for playing Greg Brady in the nineties, uh, Brady bunch movies. <laughs> I love those. Do you like those movies? I love those I, movies. I remember liking them. I haven't watched them in a very long time, but I do remember watching them and, and being 
quite entertained. <laughs> I watched them recently. They some things don't hold up, but a lot of it does. Very, they're very funny. <laughs> Why did you watch those recently? How did because that I love. They, I just thought about them and I bought them. <laughs> I rented them on Amazon. No, actually, I think oh, they're free right. on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Actually, right? yeah, I watched them both. They're good. <laughs> I feel like I have to because you know Greg Brady is Peter Parker. It's and so this, weird hearing this his voice. voice of Peter is the voice that is forever in my head. You know, like obviously yeah. there are other people who've played Peter Parker, but having grown up with Christopher Daniel Barnes doing it, it's the same as, you know, um, you know, voices for Batman or Superman at the time, or, you know, Mark Hamill as the Joker. Like right. they're just so ingrained in my brain that, you know, if I'm not watching specifically somebody else play Peter Parker, this is the voice that pops up in my head. Exactly. He's, I have another one that I would say is like my favorite in terms of like being quintessential, uh-huh. but he is, yeah, like I'm, I'm the same way with him. If I'm reading Spider-Man comics, I read it in yeah. Christopher Daniel Barnes's voice. Yes. Um, he's so good at monologuing. Like this whole show, he's just monologuing and narrating constantly. And he's so good at it. Yes. I, I should have like tracked specifically how much of his dialogue is internal in this, in, you know, yeah. in this episode, because I would be willing to bet most of it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually true, but I think most of, of Christopher Daniel, oh my gosh, such a hefty name. It, yeah. Thanks, nineties. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Christopher Daniel Barnes probably does more internal dialogue in this episode than uh, actual yeah. uh, Peter speaking to That's anyone crazy. else. That's yeah. Crazy. Fun fact too. Did you know when he recorded Little Mermaid, um, he was only sixteen years old. No way. I didn't know yeah. that. I know. Holy He's such like a moly. powerful voice for us. I, and it makes the Eric Errol thing a little less creepy because she's supposed to be 16 and yeah. his character does not look 16, but nope. his voice actor was. <laughs> so it, it's slightly less creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What, yeah. What's interesting, too, is is because he's so ingrained in my head as Peter Parker and Prince Eric, I'm really interested in delving into some of these other Spider-Man properties that he's done voices for because yeah. he's done a lot. He's done a lot of Spider-Man stuff, mostly games, but he did appear in a in another TV series. So just like a list of his Spider-Man voice credits in uh, Shattered Dimensions, the video game, he was Spider-Man Noir. In Edge of Time, he was Miguel O'Hara. In uh, the Marvel Heroes game, he was Symbiote Spider-Man and Superior Spider-Man. In uh, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 video game, he was Donald Menken. So it's like all different characters, too. And I want to go back and listen to see if I can even tell that it's him. He also does Electro and Vulture in Unlimited Spider-Man, the game. And in Ultimate Spider-Man, the series, he does the voice for Electro, Wolf Spider, and Spider-Knight. So, like, he's doing, you know, a lot of work with uh, the Spider-Man <laughs> Spider-Man yeah. franchise. Yeah. The only one of those that I've, I think that I know that I played with Shattered Dimensions and he's really shockingly good as Spider-Man Noir. Um, Could you tell it was him if you didn't know? Not at first. I think okay. after playing it for a while, I think I would eventually, because he, his voice is very distinct. Yeah. So I think you would kind, I think you would, ca- or at least be like, that sounds really familiar and then figure it out eventually. One of the ones but, that just sort of like pokes at you until you, until yeah. you like figure it out yeah <laughs> finally exactly it's it's definitely very distinct from his normal his his normal voice hmm. all right yeah nice yeah other first appearances well uh, they're all first appearances but important yeah. first appearances um <laughs> dr kurt connors who's the main villain of the episode he's played by joseph campanella I, not an actor i'd ever heard of but he is a famous character actor um he's been in a ton of soap opera roles apparently so i guess if you're a big fan of general hospital you would you would know who he is but <laughs> um, he actually just died uh last may 2018 
2018. Um, uh-huh. I think he was like 93 years old. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So he lived a good long life. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he has, a, he has a very distinct voice, too. Uh, kind of a very old-fashioned voice in this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Eddie Brock is introduced in this episode, like right off the bat. And this is, I'm assuming this is a voice actor you could talk about for a long time. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hank Azaria. Azaria. I don't know how to say his name. Azaria. Who mo- is <laughs> most famously for Simpsons. I'm shrugging. I'm assuming yeah. that's what he's most famous for. I think so. But he's he's one of those guys who, like, most of the Simpsons actors are just kind of like, hey, I'll take my paycheck and I don't have to do anything else in my life. He will still pop up in other stuff. But yeah, I, I think that's what he's most famous for. He's he's one, he has a very distinct voice, but he's also, but he's still very good at doing, like, crazy, like, different ranged voices, too. So well, how many voices him. on <laughs> The Simpsons does he do? It's like a dozens, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. And like an infinite amount. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's wild. It's, it's 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 ridiculous yeah and then J. Jonah Jameson I love this casting Ed Asner uh, plays <laughs> yes. him he is he's fantastic I mean I feel like after J.K. Simmons he's my favorite J.J. yeah um yeah yeah he's really great I feel like everyone knows who he is but he's uh Carl Fredrickson in, in Pixar's Up he also played Ben Parker in Spectacular Spider-Man he was very good in that he played Officer Barr in 2003's Spider-Man oh is that the the MTV the one? series I don't I know oh. so little about that like I don't know anything about that series I didn't even remember <laughs> that at all that. it's that'll be interesting when we watch it because it's a very weird show he's in like a handful <laughs> of episodes officer Barr must be huh. a recurring character so oh we'll see yeah um and he was also famous for um what is it mary tyler moore show right yeah mary yeah tyler moore show is where he kind of hit fame so yeah he's a, he's a big name this show gets a lot of big names i i didn't realize it until just kind of looking a little bit forward but there's a lot of really random like yeah. classic actors who just pop up in random roles so that'll be fun mm-hmm. um all right so i guess um we don't have to go through beat by beat of everything but this episode's pretty straightforward so we probably can this one is if i was surprised on amazon it has a cold open like it doesn't play the theme song first which i never remembered ever watching any rerun of it that did like that that yeah yeah it's very weird and it was kind of off-putting i thought i was like oh god did amazon just like cut the openings off of every episode oh it would have been so sad yeah i well (laughs) when i thought that because i only got like two seconds into it i went to the second episode watched the opening on the second one and then just to make sure you got it in yeah, just to, like, get it, because I have to, like, get put into that mindset. But then they play the opening, like, 30 seconds in anyway, so yeah. that was weird. I know in reruns, they, they played, like, a shortened version of the opening um, on in, like, syndication. So mm. maybe that's why we never caught that. Maybe in the original first airing, they did do that cold open, but huh. I don't know. It's weird. Whatever. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> um, the, that cold open the first shot of this show um or the first like major scene in this show is basically the lizard attacking subway workers in the sewers one of them is voiced by hank Azaria too actually mm-hmm. I, I could pick it out and then this one of the sewer workers in response to his friend getting like kidnapped by a lizard attacking him just starts driving like crazily in his van yeah <laughs> um and spider-man saves him and that's how the show starts who wait okay hold on <laughs> so uh i just need to like refer back john semper helped write this and he yeah. had to have written the dialogue oh my god between these two sub- like subway workers right that had yes. to have been him because these two subway workers basically i'm gonna i'm gonna pick this apart way more than anybody needs anyone to pick it apart but yeah, go for it. um there are these two subway workers and one of them is a new subway worker and the other one has obviously been on the job for a long time and so he's asking like what did you do before and the guy was like oh i worked in tv and you're like oh that's weird and then the guy's like oh my tv's doing this funny thing and the guy's like no 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 no, no. like i was a tv executive and then they both sort of 
come to this agreement that like he's better off working in a sewer than being a television executive which out of context is just sort of like what a weird thing but then knowing that this show is just like plagued by like (laughs) executive bureaucracy and like all this stuff you're like wow like that's the opening (laughs) set of dialogue for this series is like yeah dig at television executives and that went through like (laughs) network notes and stuff and they were like oh yeah that's fine like normally they don't have a sense of humor about that stuff so that's really shocking to me yeah it's so funny anyway yeah that's that's the cold open and then theme song (laughs) right and uh, which we have to talk about (laughs) yeah so first of all I hate the first season opening. It gets so it the the way that they cut it is much better in later seasons. Um, <laughs> this first opening is so like like the editor in me, like the video editor in me, like cringes because it's so badly like it so badly sings with the song. Like, <laughs> and I know I give them I I under I give them like a little bit of leeway because obviously they were probably working with very limited footage. They hadn't mm-hmm. shot very much of the show probably when this first episode aired, and they had to have the opening done. And I also appreciate that they tried to get some original animation like you see those kind of very awkward like shots of just like the character models slowly coming close <laughs> to the screen with the cgi yes. background but it's so bad it's so bad for me a lot of times when an opening starts that's when i like gra- like i listen and then i'm like doing something else so i'll have to pay much closer attention to the way that it's cut to the song itself because i was just so pre- i was so preoccupied with the song because mm-hmm. I I was certain that I had it wrong for 25 years. I was like, really? I need to finally look up the lyrics to the theme song because I can't have it right. There's only four words and they are spider, man, radioactive, and blood. <laughs> and I thought that I got blood wrong. I was like, there's no way that the lyric is spider blood, spider blood, radioactive spider blood. But it is. <laughs> and it's That's the, the uh... whole song. Written and performed by the uh, lead guitarist and vocalist of Aerosmith. So, which is wild. What was like? like was he on drugs when he made that, or like when he just really did not care, or did he really like? Is that a thing that you would look at and be like? Yeah, this is a great song. Like, I don't... <laughs> How much? I mean, here's the thing. I have a huge place in my heart for this theme song mm-hmm. because the moment it starts playing, like, all of my happy chemicals start firing. But how much did this guy get paid for this theme song? I know. <laughs> like, this is, like, not a nobody. This is a, a guy from Aerosmith. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the thing is, too, like, I feel like the guitar riffs are cool. Like, it's yeah. very 90s. And, you know, I don't know if it... I don't know if it, it's, 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 like, dated, but I feel like it works great. Why couldn't they just do that without the vocals? Like, you don't need the vocals in this at all they add literally nothing to it but also, confusion why is a professional singer <laughs> speaking the lines into like a voice changer <laughs> i don't understand right uh, but i do right. love it it's terrible I and it i too. love it <laughs> i do too oh man anyway we had we had to speak on the theme song at least oh, once it fine. was necessary <laughs> yeah it's very it's very important and mm-hmm. really it's it's funny too because I really love the, uh, the the music on this show, like the, the score yeah. of it. It's it's interesting because this was, I guess this was technically like a, a Saban production or it was w- somehow Saban had a role in it. Yeah. Um, so Shucky Levy, who has like, who did like all of the music for every Saban show ever does it. And it's funny because like Saban is obviously known for like Power Rangers and every show that they ever do is like on a tight budget and really cheap. But I feel, and, and I know that they have like a catalog of, of music. So they don't have an orchestra, like specifically um, scoring music for every single show, but the music that they pick out for every show um, and the few things that they might score like specifically for it are always 
like really good. Like mm-hmm. even even if it gets used a lot. And it's funny because I didn't really notice it until this watch through how close this music is to the music in the Digimon dub, or the first couple of seasons of it. Ooh. Yeah. I noticed it because I started like humming it and as I hummed it, it would like morph into like songs from the score of Digimon <laughs> that I also like knew. Oh, that's it's, so interesting. Yeah, like if you if you listen to the score for like both of them or just pieces of it, it's crazy how close they are together. You could just swatch them swap them out and wouldn't notice. Oh wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so I guess after after our Spider Blood, Spider Blood, Radioactive Spider Blood, <laughs> Spider Blood credits, um, <laughs> Spider Man obviously saves this guy. He doesn't let him drown in the ocean. That would be a dark way to start it. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> he saves the guy. Oh, and it also was kind of our first taste of the CGI city background. Oh, yeah. yeah. I. I remember distinctly the CGI in the opening theme, mm-hmm. but I, I did not, for whatever reason, remember that they used any CGI in the actual episodes. And what's really bizarre is they go back and forth. So yeah. in, in the same chase scene, you'll see him swing through a CGI city and turn the corner, and then it's a fully traditionally animated block. It's, right. it's so weird. <laughs> it's very weird. Um, yeah. The stuff that I, that from the interviews that I'd read, I didn't read as much about like the animation part of it, but um, mm-hmm. I think their idea behind it was that like, oh, well, you can use this newfangled CGI stuff. For one, it's going to be really cool because no one else is doing this. It's like visionary CGI. Like it's going to make us look like totally modern, but <laughs> see how it did, holds up. But Did Reboot not exist yet? <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> no, actually, yeah. No, did, when did Reboot? I think Reboot didn't start until... Okay. Actually, well, no, you know, I mean, let me look it up, actually, because well, Beast, Beast Wars started in 96, Reboot started before then, so it had to have started around this time. Toy Story came out in 95, so if this started in 94, I mean, I know that the earliest use of, like, CGI animation, I think, in a movie was, like, what was it, Young Sherlock or something? Like, it goes back mm-hmm. to the 80s, but... Yeah, but, but this extensive, like, an obvious yeah, CGI. Yeah, yeah, and, um, like, I'm, I'm totally fine forgiving this type of stuff, because, like, yeah. it's a brand new technology and no one knows what to do with it, it's just so funny looking looking back on it and being like, why did you cut like that? Yeah. (laughs) Reboot started in September of 94. So it would have been in production. It would have been like, it did come out, but it probably would have been in production at the same time. So they probably didn't realize that that was going to be a thing. So that makes sense. And I think too, the reasoning was that like, normally they would have, you know, painted like matte backgrounds for it and the type of characters moving. Whereas the CGI could have the backgrounds moving as the characters moving without actually having someone physically have to animate that. So it makes sense. And it oh, also for gives sure. them, yeah, and it also gives them like easy stock footage to use for backgrounds too. It's just so, so funny for them to go back and forth. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so funny. It's very off-putting watching it now. And after he rescues the TV executive, I think that's when he has that line where he's like, where the the, uh, the guy's talking about the the lizard eyes or whatever. Red and eyes. Like red eyes. <laughs> red eyes. And Spider-Man's like, did they belong to little pink elephants? Um, yes <laughs> again really gutsy thing for like a first episode of a kid's show mm-hmm. <laughs> peter peter's uh an interesting guy in this episode oh in a God. number of ways yeah <laughs> he gives this guy no credit whatsoever he like doesn't give this guy the time of day and and to be fair like all he sees is this guy like careening through downtown new york city in a truck raving mad but he doesn't listen to this guy one bit he's just like okay crazy <laughs> And then just like swings off. <laughs> right. Not even, not even remotely. Yeah. He is very interesting in this episode. That was one of the things I noticed in the scene after this, when they jump right into the Daily Bugle. And Strong he's just like, skeptic. 
he's a strong skeptic and he's like a huge smart ass which <laughs> yes obviously not uncommon to spider-man like he has his quips and like peter usually has some of that too but like he's kind of a jerk like <laughs> kind of is in this episode <laughs> he's like up to 11 constantly and it's mm-hmm. like dude just like chill like you're really yeah. kind of un- unprofessional right now <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah, so, I mean, we're in the Daily Bugle, and obviously, um, uh, you know, we, that's where I meet J. Jonah Jameson and Robbie Robertson. Robbie doesn't really have, like, much of a personality in the show, other than just being Peter's boss, mm-hmm, at least at this yeah. point. Jameson's pretty pretty clearly, like, normal, up to 11 Jameson. Just oh, for sure. <laughs> screaming and offering the first person to get a picture of the lizard $1,000, which, like, is that under the table? Are you, like, higher? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And I don't, I don't know if Peter and Eddie Brock are both freelancers in this or if they're on staff or not. I feel, I know that traditionally they're freelancers, but it's kind of hard to tell because he's like, you don't show up on time. But I'm like, aren't you just going to call yeah. him? Yeah. Really I would unclear. assume that Eddie should be on staff and Peter's a freelance photographer, but they don't treat them like that. Yeah. Like they don't treat Eddie enough like a staff member and they treat peter too much like a staff member yeah it's, <laughs> it's very, very weird it's very unclear and it's yeah. and, and you have the whole thing where it's like as soon as eddie brock walks in he's like immediately insulting peter like in front of him and it's like guys like just have your <laughs> freaking meeting like chill out <laughs> there's a lizard terrorizing new york can we can we get to the point guys you know? <laughs> right um, it is funny though because because Eddie Brock ends up entering this scene like ready to get the scoop on this lizard sighting and Peter's like this is all malarkey but Peter ends up with the job because one of Eddie Brock's leads is Kurt Connors so Peter is like given Eddie Brock's lead <laughs> because he happens to know <laughs> yeah. Dr. Kurt Connors like it makes sense but it's also like shady <laughs> yeah and I don't blame Eddie, Eddie for like being angry about it oh you know? <laughs> he's so pissed it makes he's sense. so mad <laughs> yeah and it's again really and also it's a really cut, gutsy move for a show that i'm sure that the network was saying from the beginning don't have like serialized stories and the first episode they're like all right well we're gonna have a character that we're immediately setting up all of his motivations for uh what he does later so yeah pretty smart on their part i think yeah and like i mean it's ultimately an improvement on what the comics originally did by just having him kind of show up out of nowhere so yeah yeah it makes a lot of sense to set up that rivalry like right off the bat and it plays out through this episode where you can see all the reasons why eddie brock is irritated with peter parker exactly i also like in this scene they immediately go into the techno babble that that's really specific to this show like mm-hmm. um i quoted it recombinant dna and reptile mutagenics oh um, yes which they didn't say did they say they didn't say neogenics because neogenics is like a really ends up being a really big like arc word in the show like that ends up being like the science that does everything the um, I, the device that we see later, I believe, uses the word neogenics. Oh, that isn't it like neo neogenic neogenic recombinator. recombinator. Yeah, again, just like Star Trek <laughs> words. Yes, <laughs> yes, techno babble indeed. <laughs> um, and I like, or as JJ, or as uh, Jameson puts it, muto what's its? Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and let's see. Oh, the other quote from that one is after after he's offered a thousand dollars to take the picture. Peter's like, "Color or black and white?" And it's like, "What do you think, dude?" Like, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. So Peter Peter is now motivated to believe. Well, maybe not believe the lizard exists, but at least take the the lead seriously because mm-hmm. Jay Jonah Jameson offers a thousand dollar reward page bonus that's it bonus bonus for the photo so peter's like okay well i guess i can get on this what's really funny is (laughs) we then see peter on a bus but like not on top of a bus literally riding the bus 
which I thought was so strange. But he's like, he's on this bus, like thinking of all the things he could do with a thousand dollars. And he mentions a motorcycle, which I, th- I very much appreciate <laughs> because yeah. in the comics, he talks about yeah. getting a motorcycle a lot. Yeah. It's funny. And in both cases, it's like, Peter, don't, you don't, you're gonna, don't get a motorcycle, dude. What are you doing? Yeah. You don't need a motorcycle. <laughs> Especially when you have a bus pass. Why, why is he riding the bus? <laughs> got to conserve that precious web fluid and the web cartridges that he changes constantly i guess so i I actually stopped and rewound because i was like where was he on the bus like i thought he was on the top or on the back or something like i was so prepared for that scene that i was looking in the wrong spot no he's just sitting on the bus oh that's funny i wonder like that's one of those things that i want to keep an eye on in the show like does he ever ever at any other point in the show ever ride the bus ever (laughs) because it's such a bizarre bizarre thing it's weird. Uh, yeah, yeah. It is interesting that, like, for the for a good half of the episode, maybe more than that, his primary motivation is just getting, like, a picture of the lizard and getting money for it. Like, it's not to save anybody up until somebody, like, specifically needs to be saved. It's pretty much just, like, I want to make some money, so I'm going to make some really, money. Really, really true. Yeah. <laughs> his primary motivation in the lizard situation is getting $1,000. Doesn't mean he doesn't, you know, hero up later on, but at least until this point, and, and still even a little bit further than this, it's it's all about that one grand check exactly so that's interesting and and speaking of that the scene after that is when we first meet aunt may like sweet doting aunt may um mm-hmm. i don't like her in this series she's really i think she's really annoying compared oh. to, <laughs> i don't i mean i shouldn't say i don't like her and more that i i really like like aunt may as a as a character in general and like i obviously understand they were just doing a very traditional approach to her but sure. <laughs> i'm not a f- I'm, I'm i'm just kind of i think i get really tired really quickly of like the whole like oh peter oh oh that awful awful spider-man it's very very first handful of years yeah. comic aunt may where yeah. it's like you need a sweater dear you're gonna be cold like exactly, <laughs> like exactly. all she ever says <laughs> right i think i think part of it too is getting the movies after it which um i mean specifically like rosemary harris in the raimi movies i really love I feel like for me, she's kind of the perfect Aunt May because she is still like, she's not like, I know a lot of, a lot of more modern adaptations are sort of like, oh, she's a, she's a hip old lady who loves doing stuff, which I appreciate. And I think it's really cool. Um, but I, I sort of love Rosemary Harris where she's still kind of like your grandma and kind of old fashioned, but she's also really, really insightful and really smart and not constantly like afraid and having a weak heart or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. So this one is just a little bit too much on the classic end. Um, <laughs> she's fine. Like she's fine. And her performance yeah. is, is, is great. Like for the character that she's yeah. voicing and just like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I did um, notice in that scene is it made me realize like that the real strong suit that this pilot has is utilizing Peter's inner monologue to introduce everything. Yes. Um, obviously, we don't get anything about his spider powers, but we meet every single character or like aspect of his life through his eyes and through his inner monologue. And it's a really smart way to utilize that in to, to have that traditional pilot exposition that doesn't feel like awkward pilot exposition. Yeah, they, um, you know, they don't do an origin story, but they do a great job in this setting up a lot of the dynamics that drive what makes Spider-Man such an interesting superhero, right? So you see that he's got this relatively unreliable job. He's balancing a lot of stuff in that he's in college, he's working, he's taking care of an aunt. This is right after the whole bus thing is when we learn that like he lives with his aunt and their poor yeah. um, and they do a lot of good work setting up what makes 
him struggle uh right. like on a personal level um so they and you're right they do a lot of that through through inner monologue in a really really effective way after that is when he starts searching for the lizard and you know he finds a lizard footprint in the sewer is it no it's later on when he starts like complaining about other superheroes i think <laughs> yes that... <laughs> well, it's funny because i watched this episode a few times um just because like i watched it just to watch it and then i watched it to take notes and then i was mm-hmm. like as i was preparing for the podcast i had it on the background but like it's funny because each time i was like oh now he's going to go find the lizard but this next scene like no he just goes to the sewer finds a footprint and is like all right cool we're good <laughs> Like, no, man, that's not enough. But yeah, he finds his lizard footprint and is in the sewer for like 30 seconds. And then we go to a different a different scene, which, you know, once the scene happens, makes sense. But it's so funny because each time I was like, ah, yes, now we're finding the lizard. Right. Yeah, it is, it is funny. <laughs> oh, oh, that's why I had that scene down. That's This is the he, when he is in the sewer this time, he finds a lizard footprint and he's like, he was saying like, oh, he's a myth. Oh, it looks like I was myth taken. Which, oh, my gosh. Here's the thing. That line has been like like attributed to to Buffy for the longest time of like being like a great like hilarious Buffy line and it is and it's really great in that context I never made the connection as many times as I've seen this episode that this show did that joke first did that stupid little (laughs) pun first the myth taken thing and it's like the exact same thing I don't know if I'm as big a fan of it (laughs) (laughs) I mean good in like a a very specific way (laughs) yes it's it's definitely a very specific uh, line (laughs) but I mean hey you know he nailed it yeah <laughs> nailed his line <laughs> <laughs> it's after that that he goes to see dr connors that's when we meet um deborah whitman who's also like immediately turned up to 11 and mm-hmm. immediately insulting peter like in her first scene it's like why is everybody on the show so mean to each other <laughs> yeah i guess i guess we can understand why peter's a jerk is because everybody's just constantly like pushing him <laughs> yeah i kind of love it though like it, and yeah. i think the thing about the show is that like the pace is really really good on it I, i'm pretty sure that kind of continues throughout the whole show yeah they um, pack a lot into this into this episode for sure yeah so it, i mean when they when you have these like weird insults that and it's like snark that comes up it doesn't really like i don't really notice it unless i'm like thinking about it critically like this it just kind of feels like the world of it you know like it almost feels like mm-hmm. a sitcom a sitcom in some respects yeah it's not heavy-handed it, it's never like it's never super malicious or just like outright like appalling you're not like oh my goodness (laughs) right right (laughs) it's just like little jabs here and there i also like that he's wearing he's wearing like a baseball cap and a jacket in the scene i love when cartoon characters wear clothes that are not part of their normal model (laughs) yeah i (laughs) like it it's a very strange costume but i do like when they do that yeah anyway that's when peter finally like meets the lizard for real i guess and realizes that he's a threat um in dr connor's office Um, but doesn't realize he's dr connor's (laughs) yeah he and deborah run into the lizard and the lizard is holding this like package or whatever like it's wrapped up in some sort of like material and and tied up or whatever and peter's like why would anyone want to kidnap dr connor's like what are you (laughs) doing with dr connor's Uh, yeah he's he's smart one um (laughs) (laughs) which is funny too because deborah had just mistaken him for dr connor's too yeah um but yeah they they end up running into into the lizard they think that he's taking dr connor's and that's sort of like their first exposure to the actual monster itself you get that really cool shot of uh peter crouched in the window like about to take his shirt off yeah yeah i love that i love that shot so much it's so it's so good it's so like it kind of feels it feels like weirdly unique to this episode because like usually they would just go to another another uh another shot or another scene where he's spider-man now like they usually Mm -hmm. don't actually showing him like getting into costumes so that's pretty fun yeah and that's when he 
I think this is when he flashes back to yes. uh, to Dr. Connor's experiment. And then all the pieces start coming together sort of kind of for him until he gets it explained to him. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has this flashback and the flashback basically serves to like fill us in if we haven't caught on by now. But Peter himself <laughs> has not yet caught on because it's showing us like these experiments that Dr. Connors is doing with regenerating limbs and that just so happens to deal with lizard DNA <laughs> and, you know, like it all makes sense and then he's out of the flashback (laughs) right (laughs) like did you put it together yet no okay He'll figure it out eventually. Um, he does figure it out when he goes to Dr. Connors' house. Um, we meet Dr. Connors' wife and son, Margaret and Billy. Um, that's when pretty much it's just they they fill him in on what we already figured out. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> that he's the lizard. Um, and that's when we kind of get our first actual, really get to our first actual fight scene in the show, I guess. And it's pretty fun. I'm trying to think of anything. Like, I don't really have any notes from this other than the lizard is fucking cool is what I wrote down. <laughs> um, he is. I love, I is. love the lizard. This is one of the animation sequences, both on on the part of the lizard and spider-man that i was impressed with um yeah. and i was just really surprised at how how well some of it was done given what my expectations were yeah yeah there is also the bit that i thought was kind of interesting that that does make it feel a little more like it's early in his career like he's still trying to figure out how to get good photos while he's doing fights yeah he screws like, up the first photo yeah like i guess he hasn't figured out to just web the camera to something <laughs> Because he's trying, isn't he trying to like take it while he's like fighting him, like in his hands, like yeah, and he drops it into like a puddle or something like that. He like ruins his camera, yeah, Um, (laughs) or the film at least. Oh right, right, that makes sense because it wouldn't have been a digital camera at that point, I guess. Yeah. Also, Margaret, not Martha. Interesting note. Wait, is it? I didn't write that wrong. No, no, you wrote it correctly in the in the animated series for reasons that I didn't delve enough into to find an answer for. Doctor Connor's wife is named Margaret instead of Martha. And I don't know if it was just sort of like oh. a mistake that they rolled with because they had already done it or if there is a reason that she's called Margaret. But there's a weird fun fact for you. I didn't even pick, you know, I, I didn't yeah. even pick. I literally just read his first issue, like Amazing Spider-Man number six yeah. last night, just like out of curiosity. <laughs> didn't even pick up on, on his wife's name at all. That's, that's crazy. Well, it's weird because there's two, there's two name things, right? So Margaret is called, well, Margaret is called Margaret instead of Martha, which is what you'd expect. But they stick with it from my understanding. And also... Also, yeah. I'm pretty sure Dr. Connor's office door says Connor with an E-R, like Ooh. in the same vein as Power Rangers Connor. But I think that was just straight up a mistake. I don't think that they stick with that. So some weird, weird stuff all around with the Connor's names. I don't know what's weird. going on there. <laughs> Very weird. Yeah. Eddie Brock is also there. And this is this is where I guess we saw kind of his rivalry with Peter Parker early. And this is when he starts getting mad at Spider-Man specifically. Mm hmm. Because he overhears the whole situation and is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to basically just going to ruin this guy's life for a thousand dollars, which I've got the scoop. (laughs) I got the scoop. And so um, Peter webs him or Spider-Man webs him up. And that's the I I like, like, again, kind of uh, subtle, smart exposition, essentially, like he explains that the webbing is going to dissolve shortly. Um, I think he specifically says like a few hours or something. Yeah. Which is a vital part of Spider-Man lore that explains why there isn't webs all over the city. Uh, I think it's cool (laughs) to get that out of the way really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and pretty naturally too like don't yeah. worry about it it'll dissolve in a few hours <laughs> i love the look of the webbing in this show too that kind of weird like gross like almost like like sticky slime i don't know how to kind of like explain it yeah because he has kind of like like that spaghetti webbing that was really popular in the 90s comics but i love like when he webs his mouth it's just like this like a white splotch on him basically <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
if I'm remembering correctly, I think there's a, a point too where he he shoots the web and misses and it hits the ground and it's sort of like it almost like splatters into other smaller web tendrils or whatever. So oh. like it's the consistency of his webbing in this show is is interesting yeah. if you're into examining that type of thing. And we are obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess after that, it's pretty much goes into the, like the last act of everything. Eventually, now we're actually going into the sewer. Actually going to the sewer, and this is <laughs> yeah, and this is the point when he starts complaining about like, oh, the Hulk doesn't. Well, no, the Hulk does go in the sewer. Avengers don't have to. Defenders don't have to. Fantastic Four, you don't see them in a sewer. He's <laughs> just gonna name drop everybody. The yep. Defenders thing is interesting because I know he does eventually meet Doctor Strange in the show, and like Doctor Strange is a vital part of the original defenders i think um mm. and i don't i don't think like he knew who dr strange was in that episode i don't know i don't remember we'll have to find out i don't but... think oh yeah 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 so I'm he references sure. like a theoretically references a team that dr strange is on but like that but doesn't know who he is so uh, it's just a fun little uh, can be easily explained away it doesn't like matter sure but it's just um it's kind of kind of interesting thing to it is fun for. that he's mentioning those teams like right off the bat though like establishing yeah. that this is a universe where all those other superheroes could exist we could exactly. we could we could bring them in if we wanted to exactly uh, spider-man finds this the missing subway worker at first guys all freaked out um as you'd expect um it was that's when we start to learn that he's actually trying to kidnap people specifically to operate his machine um <laughs> i think it's a really i think it's a really cool bit like a, a really cool uh piece of the story like when he's explaining to margaret that his hands can't grasp things the only pro- issue that i have with it is that like i feel like his design doesn't really match up with that explanation because his hands are very human-like just with like scale yeah i i I like when you have stories like this that incorporate some element of like body horror. One of the things that I actually really enjoyed about the Fantastic Four reboot movie or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. is that it, like there was a lot of body horror stuff, right? Like there are terrifying things happening to my body mm-hmm. and I don't know what to do with it. And so I, I find those moments like actually really well done in that you can sort of sympathize with like this weird thing that's happening to them. So this is a moment where I want to sympathize with the lizard so much because it's like, yeah. like what's happening to me? I can't do the thing that I need to do. But it's also happening in such a short period of time that it's really like I need you to operate this because my hands can't do it (laughs) right and like i'm trying not to like find it humorous because it's a sympathetic thing but i'm just like "Ah, your hands are so clumsy (laughs) (laughs) that's why you're kidnapping your wife is because you your hands are too big (laughs) oh it's so sweet butterfingers yeah (laughs) (laughs) but that's literally why he's kidnapping people is to push the buttons (laughs) yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of sweet really it's yeah oh lizard conduct his experiments yeah, I can't push oh. the buttons. <laughs> but you're right, he does have just like human hands. Just yeah. like with long talons. <laughs> yeah. I love his I love his design and everything other otherwise, but it's just like eh, I don't really dry. But it's cool. It's a cool little story beat. The lizard the lizard's interesting. I think like I really I really love I always say that he's like one of my favorite Spider Man villains, but I never have like a quintessential lizard story or anything. It's always it's very much in concept. Yeah. And I think it's because it is sort of your traditional like Hulk, Mr. Jekyll, Dr. Hyde kind of thing. Yeah. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of thing. But it's a little bit more gray than that because it's not like the lizard is a 100% different personality from him. Like it kind of is, but he also like has very specific goals. Like it's not like he's just a mindless killing machine. Like he actually is yeah. like a mad scientist, kind of like Dr. Connor, like just an extension of like Dr. Connors is it, I guess. It's, it's really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He, I, I think... 
I didn't have a full appreciation for the lizard, at, like as of as the lizard, until this is weird, but until the uh, Amazing Spider-Man movies, hmm. when I was like, this is such a bizarre story. So I went back and like read everything, and I was like, this is like actually the story. Like this, yeah. this is, and and for whatever reason, I was like, this is so bizarre that I can't help but kind of love it because it's so unique to like what's happened to him. You know, right. like he's not trying to take over the city for power's sake. He's like trying to create a, a stronger species that just also so happens to be what he is that right. he ended up becoming by accident. Like it's right. just, it's so bizarre. And I, I, I kind of really love it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, in his, it makes it in his head, he has kind of altruistic goals, right? Like he explains yeah. that you, you can regrow limbs. You're like super strong, basically invincible. You just have to yeah. be a lizard. And some people will be like, yeah, cool. I'll be a freaking <laughs> lizard for that. That sounds yeah. awesome. I'd do lizard it. person. Yes, please. <laughs> but you know, you just can't like force people on that. So yeah. Yeah. So it, it is, it's really interesting and it sucks that like these episodes are so short because we can't really delve into that very much, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but the little that they do, I appreciate, I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. the personality they develop for him. I think it's around the scene. I think it's maybe right before he kind of explains this to, to Margaret is, uh, I think we get Spider-Man's first instance of mentioning that he has web cartridges that he has to change, which yes. will be a big deal in the show. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I guess, after that is pretty much when we have the fight. My issue, only issue, again, I feel like I'm kind of like ragging on this episode a lot. I really love it. There's just a lot of kind of weird, there's, there's definitely some like early episode weirdness, weirdness in yeah. this. But like the lizard has this whole kind of sympathetic conversation with Margaret and you actually get to the point where she's kind of getting to him. Like yes! She Billy. I'm so glad you're bringing this up because if you didn't, I was going to bring this up. <laughs> yeah. It really, it really bugged me because she's literally like getting through to him and he's like, Billy, I have a son. And that's when Spider-Man, who you get the impression has been hearing and listening to all yeah. of this. Then he's like, okay, now's my time to like kick him in the face. Like, yeah. dude. <laughs> so this episode is really, really good in how much it packs in without being, without feeling too fast. Like it's easy to, it's easy to, to follow along despite the pace at which it's going. The only thing that I think they really seem to struggle with is really just getting Peter and Spider-Man down. You know, like there's just something slightly tweaked. <laughs> about like how peter acts and i think it's all just because he's meant to be sort of like sarcastic and and witty and quippy and whatnot and i just think it's it's just slightly missing the beat and then those missed beats end up making him look like a jerk like in this moment where it's like don't mind me i'm just gonna interrupt your conversation that was going (laughs) places to kick this guy's butt (laughs) yeah and And then he's like oh no now he's full-on lizard mode yeah because you attacked him (laughs) Like, what was your end goal with this? I don't know. <laughs> like, I guess you could you could argue this was like, okay, she's distracting him. Now's my chance, right? right. But that wasn't the plan. Right. <laughs> they hadn't agreed upon that. So it's, it's really, really funny. It ends up working. It's just such a weird moment for peter to be like now i'm gonna drop kick you (laughs) exactly and she's still like right in the line of fire almost gets her killed so (laughs) peter you'll figure it out peter you just you haven't figured it out yet (laughs) he does he does mess up like intentionally i I can tell the show is deliberately having him mess up a little bit like he falls a lot more in this one and i do appreciate that like it's not going super hardcore into like look how young he is but you kind of get the sense that he's still figuring it out i think he even has that comment 
Yeah, yeah. Can you explain to me why Margaret was picking up the um, the device, the Neogenic Recombinator? Was she trying to operate it to turn the lizard back into Kurt? Did she know that it would do that? Why did she just rant? It feels to me like she's going to run away, but instead she just picks up the device and Spider-Man's just like, no, don't just drop that. Just run. And then Your guess is as good as mine because <laughs> when Spider-Man grabs the Recombinator, you know that he's a scientist and that he helped with this research. Right. So you can you can buy that if if peter parker is handling the recombinator he's trying to reprogram it or tweak it or whatever now i don't know how dr connors and margaret met maybe she's a scientist and she Mm -hmm. just you know we never see in her lab who knows but (laughs) there is nothing established to uh to explain why she's chosen to grab the recombinator unless she's gonna throw it away like i don't i don't know <laughs> i guess that's I, possible but even then it's sort of like she just like kind of picks it up and like start it's gigantic so she's just like can't really grab it. it's i love how it's kind of animated because she's awkwardly holding it kind of trying to like grasp it and then like all, i think she almost like drops it at one point too which is kind of yeah. realistic i guess but it's also just like what are you doing what are you doing it's also glowing <laughs> it's glowing <laughs> it is also i don't glowing. know why but it's glowing because it's neogenic obviously <laughs> oh yes sorry that's right all <laughs> neogenics <laughs> but yeah she picks it up i have no idea why and uh now does he okay does he swing at her in a moment of like rage or is it an accident because he ends up hitting her with his tail Mm -hmm. and regrets it but like was that an accident or was that just like a don't touch my toy i got an impression that it was an accident because he was still in the in i'd have to watch it again but i feel like he was still just like fighting spider-man and i'm sure his tail was going crazy yeah and he just did like a quick turn or whatever and it hit her because i don't think he even realized he was right behind her yeah the tail does end up being sort of like an issue because that's what ends up getting um what's her face deborah earlier is like his tail knocks over a shelf yeah which if you think about it he's newly a lizard he wouldn't be used to having a tail so it kind of makes sense that he wouldn't really have a lot of control over it and then after that uh you know the the device falls in the water lizard and spider-man both end up i don't i don't remember if they both chase after it or like lizard just pulls peter in with them but either way they both end up in the water and then you get this like really strange but like kind of cool but kind of intense like monologue while they're fighting in the water it's really it's a really interesting choice that (laughs) and i don't know like how i how i feel about it because i feel like it just plays kind of strange but it's also kind of a kind of a gutsy move to have your like final climactic fight with relatively like kind of quieted down like more subtle music and Mm -hmm. just have peter like monologuing in a very like poetic in a very poetic monologue like strange how strange like this man (laughs) you as my friend blah blah and it's like are you really thinking that while you're like fighting for your life underwater it's weird because of what's happening but it's also like completely appropriate for peter parker you know what i mean like there's this there's there's always this sort of like i've created these villains not necessarily in the in the batman sense of like batman exists and so everything else like raises to that level Mm -hmm. more of like a accidental like what have i done type of of thing yeah so it makes sense that he's thinking it it's just you're right it's weird that he's having that thought 
in this moment where they're not they he is like maybe gonna drown and die like i don't know right it is, <laughs> yeah it's an interesting it, it does I, I will say it like it feels very comic booky like i could totally see like big panels narrating while this is happening mm-hmm. it is just one of those things where like when you translate it from from page to screen it just kind of plays kind of weird i think I, I think i like it um, because it's so like unique and you know obviously peter like peter narrates like in monologues in the show all the time i don't know if you quite see one like this or like that's <laughs> ever again again another thing that i'm interested in kind of looking out yeah. for because i feel like anytime he does it's not it isn't this long and this like quiet because i think i think what makes it weird is just that co- visual contrast of seeing the actual physical person like moving chaotically and like fighting and almost dying to like a very calm voice like overlaying it and it makes it really cool but it also makes it really off-putting in a weird way you know it's like i don't know it's almost like this this episode packs so much in to establish like what you're getting into with the series right like it's never too straightforwardly one thing which i think ends up preparing you for lots of stuff that's to come where you're like oh wow that was actually uh that was pretty deep or that was really well thought out or you know that caught me off guard and it's all just sort of encompassed in one episode (laughs) right yeah (laughs) which i guess for a pilot is you know good job (laughs) yeah no that that's a good point that's a good point and this this you know i I didn't realize this like, until recently, how short these episodes are. Like, obviously, it's... Yes. But most 30-minute shows without commercials are at least, like, 22. With the intro and the end credits, this is, like, exactly 20 minutes long. That's yeah, it's really short. That's crazy. That's crazy. I think that, in, in some ways, it kind of helps the pacing because it's never boring. But yeah. it also is what I think might cause some of this just, oh, what would what I just watch kind of feeling sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff really does, like, move at an extremely brisk pace. Yeah, it does. So it makes it easier for us when we're like watching it like with a fine tooth comb like this. But oh yeah, because <laughs> it's less to watch. But it, it's it definitely makes it makes it a little weird. So yeah, so they're in the water and they have this. I felt like this felt like very anime to me. Like when you have the uh, like the bright light from the recombinator like flashing and then like freeze in those like poses underwater yeah definitely saw kind of the japanese influence in that Um, and then boom yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's cool though it's really it's all really well the whole sequence is really well animated i think yes but uh but he does it he turns the lizard back into connor's and everything is pretty much like well and good on that front and we just kind of get a couple of little like um little epilogue kind of scenes just holding yeah. out everything we have um eddie finally gets free brings jameson over to the connor's house to prove he's the lizard but of course kurt is now there alive and well and they're not going to talk about the lizard stuff so um and eddie's like uh if he's not if if if, if, if i'm wrong i'll eat this newspaper and so now he has to eat a newspaper i love that <laughs> line did you it's want good. it cooked or raw or whatever it was he said i don't know what he says but yeah. i like it it's it's a really good delivery from ed asner he's very oh, good yeah i feel like everyone in the show is like turned up to 11 right but jameson is like the one character where it makes sense yeah he's for supposed him to, be. to be exactly and ed asner is really good at those like really snarky deliveries like and actually making it kind of feel like very real <laughs> yes <laughs> it's like funny and intimidating at the same time mm-hmm. but yeah so another thing for uh for eddie to have a grudge about just um, a tiny grudge just, you know, a, just, little, a, just a little just like maybe maybe he'll hold on to this and remember it in his back pocket for later just maybe yeah it's fine he'll go to therapy he'll talk about it and everything will be fine yeah it'll all be fine nothing <laughs> nothing will come of this nothing he seems like a pretty well well kept together dude <laughs> <laughs> oh <Yo>, yes <laughs> 
And then the very last scene is just uh, Peter flashing all his bills to Aunt May. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I just imagined that scene based on how you described it very differently than the way it actually played out. (laughs) Just... (laughs) <laughs> what up on me <laughs> exactly and um but yeah but he's like yeah i can pay all our all our money troubles are fine with this one thousand dollars that i got um and of course like for some reason didn't think didn't think about the fact that someone's gonna ask him how he got a picture of like two superhuman mutants fighting in the sewer but of course she does and she tells peter to take a bath because you know <laughs> that's how she is well it's oh, funny peter. because it's 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 exactly what you were talking about where like it could have just been peter i don't want you doing those dangerous things but that wasn't what she was focusing on she was focusing on the fact that he was doing a dangerous thing in a dirty sewer right (laughs) like the dirty sewer was the bigger problem (laughs) exactly like peter peter all those germs take a bath Oh, I also Aunt love, May. I know, I love, I just added it to the show notes. So if you look at like the actual image on the newspaper, it's like this kind of like painted image that they use. If you like zoom in on it, it's really like, I, I don't know. I just found it kind of interesting because it doesn't, Ooh. it does, it isn't just like a clip from the episode. It looks yeah. like some kind of, maybe it was like the, like a painted animatic or something. Um, I don't know. I like that. Yeah. We'll have to post that on our social media whenever this episode launches. Oh, and the only other neat frame that we can, like, throw in to the social medias. <laughs> oh, where did I put it at? Well, you've seen it. Is it, it. the we one you sent me? About. The one that I sent you with, with Peter's <laughs> eye and, like, arched eyebrow. There's a moment early on in the episode when Peter first hears about the lizard or, like, getting a photo of the lizard or whatever. And he's he's supposed to be giving Robbie sort of, like, that confused eyebrow, like, what? But his his eyes go in like twelve different directions. It's like it's so weird. It's such a strange frame. And and Derek sent it to me, and I was like, oh oh, I know, <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> I feel like I want all every episode of our podcast to have like our little segment where it's just like screenshots of strange faces or very interesting <laughs> shots from the shows because I'm anticipating the show having a lot of those. Oh yes, our favorite <laughs> face of the episode. <laughs> Yes. And then we can we can just share it each week. Yes. Um yeah, and that's I mean that's it. That's the first that's the first episode of Spider-Man the animated yeah. series. And it goes into a really I love the end credits for the show too where they have just kind of the old artist sketches mm-hmm. of characters locations. It's really neat. Yeah. So we picked it I mean we picked it apart. Like we we dissected this episode <laughs> until there was no like recognizable <laughs> remnant of it left. But overall I mean, what do you think of this episode? Like, as a whole thing, like... Yeah, I mean... How is it for you? The thing about this show, I feel like, that we're going to see a lot of is that it's still really, like, super entertaining all the time. Um, I think partially because of the pace and because you're getting constant narration from Peter um, that even... So I I feel like you get a good example of it with this is that there are a lot of, like, kind of story issues in it and, like, weird kind of awkward character beats and that I think all 100% can be contributed to this just being the first episode of the show. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you really notice that very much when you're watching it at all. Like, nothing is anything that, that I feel like it's super glaring. Or yeah. if it is, it almost just adds to the charm of it, you know? Yeah. And I also, like like we kind of said, I feel like the animation in this one is really good for the most part. I think it's a really smart introduction to the show. It integrates the exposition into it really well. I think it was really smart using the lizard first because his story is pretty straightforward. And I know this, this series in particular does a lot with neogenic mutants and science turning people into things which the lizard is like perfect poster child for so i think it gets us a good introduction into what this show is particularly focused on yeah i like this episode a lot it just does such a good job setting up 
so many things, both actual storylines and just like tonal bits, you know, like you get little bits and pieces of stuff that you will either watch in a storyline later or just feel later on in the way that stories are told. So I really liked it. I I do expect, you know, I don't, I don't have a strong memory of a lot of the particulars of this show because it's been a really long time since I've sat down and watched it. I expect that as we go through you know these episodes this is this is not going to be anywhere near the bottom of my list of episodes as weird as some of it is you know mm-hmm. i expect there are going to be somewhere i'm like that was weird like <laughs> that was yeah. not that fun but this one was really fun to watch yeah i agree i agree um and it'll be fun i mean you know obviously we said we're doing every cartoon ever we're not doing every not every cartoon ever every spider-man cartoon <laughs> ever and we're not necessarily gonna obviously we started with a 90s show because it's so influential um and and iconic 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 it is very iconic but we're not necessarily going to go through them in order so haven't picked out like what we'll do next and we'll see what we end up doing but it'll probably be we do the first season of this show try out another show and then revisit this one after that yeah. um potentially so it'll be interesting seeing how this one compares to other shows that exist because i think this one is what everyone thinks of as the quintessential spider-man show mm-hmm. to the point that i feel like every other show made it a point to try to do something different because they knew they had to distance themselves a bit from this um <laughs> i think it's for good reason because this show is it does feel like the quintessential spider-man show so oh so good I, I, I do think that if you said, like, did you watch the Spider-Man cartoon? People would think of this one. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think I even did that in an outtake earlier where I was like, oh, the the Spider-Man cartoon <laughs> right. on a podcast about all the Spider-Man cartoons. But, right. But yeah, it's 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 uh, it's pretty amazing. Well, I don't know. Is there anything else from this this episode um, that you wanted to point out or cover or did we did we sufficiently cover it all? I think we've covered it very well. Um, <laughs> and and I'm excited because we, a lot of the other upcoming episodes we're going to do are going to be kind of in clusters. Um, so this one, we probably went into even more in depth than we might do episodes yeah. in the future, probably. But I think it's, again, for good reason, because there was a lot to kind of pick apart in this episode. So yeah, but it's great. It was fun. Yeah. If you made it to the end of this episode, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And let us know kind of what you thought. Did we pick it apart too much? Did we not get into it enough? Was there too much you know extraneous information and you know we're, we're curious to hear what you think yeah um because we're we're starting this from scratch so yeah 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 so and if you do uh if you can obviously you can um uh, not obviously because you don't know our information yet um, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to reach out to us you can email us at walloping podcast at gmail.com you can also reach out to us on twitter at walloping web pod um, we'll include that in the show description since I know those are big words. And you can also find us on Patreon under Walloping Web Snappers as well and find some additional contact content there um, as this show gets a little bigger and goes on a little longer. And I guess, Doug, where can we find you? Yeah, if you want to follow just like my random musings about other things, um, most of the time I'm just on Twitter at uh, Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. All right, awesome. Um, you have any other podcasts you want to plug? Oh, I do appear on other podcasts. (laughs) That's a a good question. Um, So uh, in addition to Walloping Web Snappers here, I am the co-host of a podcast called Victory Road, um, which is a podcast all about Pokemon, where we sort of dive into whatever Pokemon stuff we feel like at the time. So we do cover, you know, the old anime, the current anime, the games that are, you know, as they come out, when new movies happen, we review those. We try to bring on different guests who know things we don't know a whole lot about, like the trading 
trading card game and you know game mechanics that we're you know just not smart enough to understand but um if you're into pokemon check that out and you know depending on when this this episode comes out who knows i might have been on ranger command power hour or one of our other uh friends of the podcast podcasts awesome um you can find me on twitter at Derek b gale d-e-r-e-k-b-g-a-y-l-e talking about lots of stuff like a lot of hot monsters and marge simpson and stuff like that (laughs) and power rangers and stuff like that um (laughs) i have a a youtube show that's still uh very new called second chance that you can find linked on my twitter page um looking at bad movies from a positive lens i will probably by the time this episode comes out there will be a uh finally a new one on spider-man 3 so kind of accidental a little bit of accidental synergy there uh, that wasn't intended, but uh, yeah, so that that's kind of fun. And I do pop up occasionally like on Ranger Command Power Hour as well. But yeah, reach out uh, if you have any questions or any feedback. We welcome it. Be our friends! Yeah, please! Yes. <laughs> Doug and Derek and his amazing friends. Ooh! Yeah. Yes. I like it. Well, thanks everybody. Thank you. Bye! Bye! <laughs> <laughs> Hold on one second. My cat just like burst the door open.